Democracy's Basement to your ears. This is the weekly meeting of the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Each week, the dedicated staff of the Bureau meet to file reports, make recommendations, and build little forts out of popsicle sticks and dot matrix printer paper as they while away the days and nights in the sub-sub-basement. One day, maybe they'll escape from their offices, but until that day comes, the city is not going to improve itself. So, here we stay, improving things. This meeting is now in session. Hello. Oh, you'll have to speak up. How's this? Oh, very, very good. Sorry, I, I can I can actually hear you fine, uh, but I'm uh, I'm trying out for a part uh, for Regina Little Theater. Oh, what, yes. uh, in what? I, I well, it's uh, it's a play. It might be the importance of being earnest, but I have to play a, a jolly old deaf man. So I say things like, "You'll have to speak up. I can't hear you." Right. And then I'll have like a horn by my okay. ear and say, "What's that?" It'll be it'll be a, a gas. I don't remember there being a, a deaf man, an old in, deaf man, an importance being earnest. You no, know, but I uh, I was very very uh, excited about the prospect of being uh-huh. in the play, and when I found out that all the roles had been taken, I I just wrote a new one. That's showing some gumption for the theater. And and the way see the way it works is if they'll put on the play on the stage, I'll be in the audience. And then I'll call and I'll say every so often, you'll have to speak up. I can't hear you. What what? And then they'll kick me out. It's it, but trust me, it's all part of the play. Uh it might run for the it'll definitely run for the first night. It might not run for any of the subsequent nights. Uh it depends on whether I can get past security. So like guerrilla theater then? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Uh, except uh, I can't wear the gorilla suit. Mm-hmm. That that got me kicked out last time. Pirates of Penzance apparently does not have a gorilla. It didn't mm-hmm. stop me uh, from constantly rushing the stage in my gorilla suit during, like, you know, um, made for modern general, you know, musical yeah. number. I've never actually seen the play. So, I, you know, but I have seen the Pirates of the Caribbean ride in, oh, yeah. in Disney World, and I'm pretty sure there's a gorilla in there. You're you would be correct. So I don't see why there wouldn't be one in Pirates of Penzance. Well, you know what they say, where, like, it's like where there's smoke, there's fire, where there's mm-hmm. pirates, there's a gorilla trying to get on stage. Well, good luck. Good luck getting the part. Good luck, you know, performing the part. Can I hear your, uh, your aged, uh, deaf old man voice again? What's that? You'll have to speak up. That's good. Oh, I'm deaf. That's really good. That's really mm. good. Yeah, you'll fit right in with a Regina Little Theater cast. I will, with my mastery of accents and impressions. Yeah. I, I might dress up as a pirate, because half their plays apparently seem to involve pirates. They probably wouldn't even notice me at first. Right. They'd probably think, oh, it's, it's pirate. Like, they're in all our plays. Every day with Regina Little Theater is dressed like a pirate day. Mm-hmm. It's always September 19th. Well, um, that's great. Uh, I hope this doesn't turn into a new career for you in the theater because it would, it would be sad for you to leave here and leave me alone. Cause then we couldn't have meetings, which is what we should be doing right now. This is true. And trust me, I've been, um, I've been doing this for years and they have yet to pay me. This seems to be a theme in your working yeah. life. Also the leopard is, uh, is really, really, uh, this thing. for the record, I like what the uh, leopard brings to these meetings. So, I, I do too, but uh, I don't feel like you have to move it along on my account. 
I think it has stronger, stronger comedy chops than I have sometimes. You know, that's true. He does have good lines. Leopard does come in with some zingers. Who can forget the rah and rah, for for example. Anyway. Anyways. Uh, Shall we do an attendance? Oh, let's do one of those attendances. Um, Let's see. Look, I'm I'm just going to be real straightforward with you here. You're Paul, I'm Aiden. We're attending. And that is that. It's true. I am Paul. You are Aiden. Enough, enough uh, of this foolery. From now on, we're getting serious about attendance. Uh, I guess that means the meeting is in order. Uh, what's our quorum situation? Uh, looks like we, we don't have quorum. Grand. Well, well, let's plow ahead anyways. Plowing. Excuse like, me. Like, like it was like we were just you know, waking up in the aftermath of a blizzard. Yes. Uh, okay. Or, you know, starting off our planting season. Is that how it works? You plow first, then plant? I don't know. I, I, you do something. Yeah. We're, we're, we're very bad at being Saskatchewanians. We stink at it. <laughs> and every week that I go to a city council meeting, I am reminded that I suck at being a Saskatchewanian or a Regina <laughs> for that matter, because I seem to be completely out of step with what is going on at city council in this city. So there's that. Why? Why do you feel out of step with uh, with city council? What What is happening? <laughs> Shall we start then? Um, oh yeah, yeah. Well, okay. How about this? Uh, we spoke about this in our last meeting that Regina has an amusement tax. It it is only applied to movie theaters, however. So there's only three remaining movie theaters in our city. A, a business that has been like a whole industry that has been like shrinking. In Regina, over the decades that this movie tax has been in place, uh, seems to suggest that perhaps this tax is somehow like punitive or like an obstacle to cinemas doing business. As was signaled at the executive committee meeting where this was considered, administration uh, recommended that the amusement tax be cut in half. It was, you know, originally 10% on every base price of a ticket was being charged for every movie ticket that you paid for in this city. And they wanted to cut that 10% tax down to 5% to offset the fact that the province was now charging PST on movie tickets. Right. Noteworthy that it's a ridiculous tax, but also that the, the only reason we're cutting it is because the province is kind of crowding us out of an area that we have power to do taxation in as a municipality. Like municipalities don't have a lot of things they can charge a tax on or a fee on. Um, And really the only way to raise money for them is property taxes and this absurd amusement tax. And now the province has said, we're going to bite your style city of Regina. Oh man. And we're going to start taxing that too. So the city decided to cut it now at this meeting. Uh, Michael Paris from the Movie Theaters Association of Canada showed up to speak once again against the tax saying, don't just cut it in half, get rid of it finally. And I thought, you know, after decades, this has been around for a hundred years. And for decades, cinemas have been saying, we're the only business that's still paying this tax, please get rid of it. And here I wanted to play a few minutes of Michael Paris's presentation to council in which he argues against the tax. Uh, my name is Michael Paris. I'm speaking to you from Toronto on behalf of the Movie Theatre Association of Canada. Uh, I'm here to address the Regina Amusement Tax, which we all know by now is more accurately referred to as a movie theatre tax because it only applies to movie theatres. Um, 
Um, unless council chooses to act before October 1, a couple of days from now, Regina will become the highest tax jurisdiction for movie tickets in North America. Without action today, the total taxes on a movie ticket will be 21% of the box office. But even if you adopt the recommendation from administration to reduce the municipal tax from 10% to 5%, total applicable taxes will be 16%, and Regina will still be the highest in North America. Um, this movie theater tax is the only one of its kind in Canada. Uh, Winnipeg is the only municipality with one that's even remotely similar, but it is only 5%, uh, and it applies to non-cinema businesses as well as cinemas um, in a non-PST environment. This tax remains in place in Regina after 100 years of special deals and givebacks for every other form of business that would otherwise be subject to the tax in Regina, um, in particular the city who refuses to tax itself. Uh, I learned a few things after speaking with executive committee last week. Uh, amazingly, I learned that the largest owner of ticketed facilities in the city of Regina is the city of Regina, uh, as the owner of both Mosaic Field and the Brandt Center both benefit from exemptions from the amusement tax. So when a member of the executive committee pointed to administration last week and raised the 12% facility fee at Mosaic as a comparable burden on the Rough Riders, I've come to learn that's probably better characterized as a return on the $73 million capital investment the city made in that facility for the benefit of that particular private business as well as the community. Similarly, along the lines of funding competing cultural spaces, uh, I would also observe the $1.8 million the city plans to invest in the Globe Theatre over the next two years. Why do I raise these two things? Uh, I raise them because those facilities um, are, are deals with facilities uh, because the movie theaters uh, movie theaters have never come to this council with their hands out. We've never requested capital investment. Uh, we've never requested a special deal. Uh, and yet we've been forced to pay more than our fair share for decades. Uh, we didn't come to council when the pandemic shuttered all of our locations. And, and we're not here whining because our business has been cut in a third or because our suppliers have decided to send more than half the films directly to your phones and television. No, we're here begging today for this council to abolish what most seem to agree is a ridiculous, antiquated, and profoundly regressive tax because there is a crisis in our industry. And I would not be here if this issue did not impact the viability of our members, and I'm referring to the rainbow here, the availability to invest in Regina cinemas, which are burdened by having to pay this additional fee, and thereby impairing our ability to compete against our competitors, which includes the city of Regina's facilities. And all that is to say nothing of our continued employment of 100 residents in Regina. So I want to urge this council to finally do the right thing and abolish this tax. The recommendation from administration is a reduction, but that reduction is really a continuation of ancient tax policy that is out of touch and a literal relic from the silent era. And nobody in administration or council seems to be, begins to argue for even a moment that this tax is fair, equitable, or progressive. I would say to you it's a discriminatory revenue tool. It's highly inefficient and it's unpredictable because the amount it will generate for you next year is entirely dependent on the success of titles like Avatar or Black, or Black Panther 2. So that was Michael Paris from uh, the Movie Theatre Association of Canada. And boy, they know how to make delegations in Toronto, hey? Mm-hmm. They, do, they do a fine job. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So pretty strong argument. Uh, pointing out, I think, saliently that, you know, there's a lot of businesses, including this, the city of Regina has not charged this tax uh, for things like Rider Games or... Uh, 
any other event at uh, on the real campus. In the end, what happened is, uh, thanks to Councillor Lori Brishani, in fact, uh, the, the tax will be cut in half this year. And then uh, next year, in 2024, it will be abolished completely, which, you know, yay. However, uh, councillors once again spent a good chunk of their time at this council meeting discussing, hmm, can we feasibly find a way to expand this tax just to everything? Everything that we could charge this tax on, can we expand it? Because the city needs money. Maybe we need to do this to expand the amusement tax. So this is going to be explored in the future. I don't think we'll see it. I don't think we'll see a report on that before 2025, hopefully, but it could be coming in 2024, but we'll see. I am looking forward to this one. It will be an interesting fight. Uh, I I actually have an idea for a different tax. Ooh, okay. I think it's more useful. Uh, We could count this as an innovative revenue tool. All right, let's hear it. Well, instead of of an amusement tax, uh, we we levy a boredom tax. Okay. So So instead of going to things where we're finding amusement, and having to pay extra, we uh, we have a tax on things that like are uniquely boring or depressing. The only problem with that is that then this tax would have to be charged on city council meetings, for example. Yeah, but I mean, it would be other otherwise. It'd be good. I mean, for example, if you have to attend, I don't know, like a jazz choir doing Game of Thrones tunes a cappella, then then you should you should pay extra money for being so foolish as to do that. Right. And the people who put it on should be penalized for, right. for having put it on. Uh, or any Sweeney Todd theater production. Uh, every time they get that idea, they should be reminded they have to pay, that, that they'll be taxed, and uh, they'll be like, oh, maybe not. Right. So I think it'll be an incentive for people to do non-boring. That's a really good idea, actually. Yeah. And then this would encourage people who do boring things or you know have boring shows or whatever. They would have to like right. go up the amusement factor. Yes. It would then behoove council to start finding ways to make their meetings more interesting. Right. Well, they could put in cliffhanger. Right. Yeah. Is it going to happen? Whatever the it yeah. will be. Find out next meeting. Yeah. See, I don't, I don't know if that's going to be enough. I really don't think mm. that's enough to jazz up city council. I think they need to like look to the world of professional wrestling. And I think we need to have more clearly defined faces and heels to begin with. And I think that there needs to be a whole lot more uh, hitting each other with, with folding chairs. I agree. Yeah. That, that's great. Yeah. That's folding chairs. Um, some like, you know, suplexes, uh, yeah. you know, all kinds of moves be, be excellent. Yeah. And you know, if there's, if there's a policy coming forward that you really support, I think you should have to, you know, spend some time before the council meeting with your manager like mm-hmm. hyping, hyping this policy yes. to the public in really sort of like loud, exaggerated terms. This would get the crowd riled up. People would be excited. And then when it came time to cast your vote with that folding chair, you know, people would really care about, oh. you know, who gets, you know, pummeled in this in city council. I think you're absolutely right. Who gets a pummeling today? Is it parking mm-hmm. policies? Is it the amusement tax? It's always parking policies. And when you become a city councilor, you have to come up with, well, I guess like, like it, it would be coming from the tradition of wrestling. So you'd need a wrestling name, but it would right. become like a Regina city council name. So it would be like, 
I don't know, like Counselor Hawkins, he would be called like the zinger for all like, you know, the zingers, Ooh, yeah. that he, you know, that he throws out when he's doing his speeches. Nice. Counselor Stevens could be like the the perpetual underdog, like, uh, you know, like mankind, uh, that kind of thing. And we'd find somebody like not just Shaw, but like another or even Bresciano, but another counselor to do like an unexpected heel turn. Yeah. And vote the, and vote in some regressive way. Then everybody could be like, whoa. And then they rush into like a little you know area together in council and start smacking each other with folding chairs. The the counselor who'd be like switching back and forth, that'd be Fedora, no question. Oh yeah. Yes, indeed. I don't think he'd I want somebody who could like really just like barrel into like the the pit and and just, you know, body somebody. I, I'm not sure Fedora's got that kind of physical energy, but I you I, know I'm, I'm willing to see him try. I, I think you underestimate him. I've I've okay. run into I've run into Councillor Fendura a few times outside of City Council, and he's you know he's got some like he has presence. Yeah, he's 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 there, very much there. Yeah. Like like I wouldn't want to throw down with him, is what you're saying? No. Oh God, he could take both of us easy. Uh, yeah, I think pretty much everybody on Council could take us though. Imagine the humiliation of being beaten up by by Hawkins. Like, oh, I did not see that coming. Yeah. You are bleeding, bleeding on the ground. While Hawkins yeah. like wipe, wipes wipes the blood on his knuckles, uh, on, on your shirt. Oh yeah, because you know he would fight dirty. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And he would deliver like a real, and he'd like deliver a great speech about how foolish you were for even thinking of challenging yeah. him. I really want to see this wrestling thing happen now. So do I. And and the other the other thing though is that, and I, I don't want to be the one to say this, but if you're going to be a counselor in this scenario. You, you got to work out a little. Yeah, I mean, just you know, it's 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 your it's your business now. You're you're yeah. in you're 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 in for the amusement. You know, we don't want to get you don't want to incur a boredom tax. So in this scenario, they're going to need uh, like they're going to need loudmouth managers, and this is Ooh, the yeah, point, yeah, this yeah. is something they could really call us up for. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, I'm I'm in. I'll, I'll be I'll manage I'll manage uh, Councillor Shaw. Okay, that's awesome. I want to take Mancinelli. I think he needs like some guidance. Yeah. yeah. I think and somebody that, yeah. louder. Cause I think he's, he's more like the undertaker. He's like soft spoken. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I think he, you know, he could give that like that, you know, deadly gaze. Right. That, right. From the crypt. From the crypt. Yeah. Well, I would, uh, and I would, instead of, instead of trying to like counsel, you know, counsel, counsel Shaw to avoid saying bizarre offensive things. I would, I would be like, just, just don't think. Start talking. Just open your mouth, and whatever comes out of your mouth, whatever comes to mind on any topic, just let it fly. Even if you're just asking questions and not making comments. And then she'd be like, "But I was told that this is offensive, and people don't like it." And you can be like, "Look, we're going for the amusement now. We don't want to pay the tax." <laughs> That's right. This is gold. This is where the magic happens, yeah. counselor. Come on, Tarina. I'll say. Yeah. Oh, and for for Mancinelli, sorry, I'm thinking of as his manager now. Oh, like right. oh, his yeah. name, yeah, his name would have to be like Jason Wheels Mancinelli. He'd be one of those, you know, wrestlers Ooh, yep, who uses yep. his real name. Yeah, he'd just have like one of those wrestling leotards on and a leather nice. jacket. He, oh, I love it. Yeah, the leather jacket yeah. would be key. And and Councilor Shaw's name? Okay. The advocate. Oh, that's good. It's yep. it's one of those like subtle names. Where you think, oh, this is like the Undertaker or something. Where it's like, oh, it's just the name of a job. How boring! But then they come out and they're like, just fire, 
fire. They're they're like advocating for like all kinds of things. They're advocating for a smackdown is what they're uh, advocating for. Exactly. Exactly. I love this. Me too. And this this wrestling moment has been brought to you by the <laughs> Queen City Improvement Bureau and CJTR tuned into the community. And we're at 91.3 FM. Did I say did I not say that? You you missed that small but salient detail. Oh, oops. That that's why we're a two-person system. We can right. we, we we've always got each other's back. Cool, like a tag team. Like a tag team. Like like the ultimate tag team wrestling duo, Cookies and Cream. I think we should work on that. <laughs> I, I'm not I'm not rubber stamping that name. I I'm, I'm actually I'm actually cribbing from a McSweeney's article from like a decade ago or more. Uh really bad nicknames for wrestlers. Nice. Tag team duo cookies and cream was the only one that I remember. That's awesome. All right. Well, uh, we've only, we're running out of time on this half. So I should like run oh. through some of the other agenda items. Okay. Um, at the same time, or rather in the same meeting, the Regina city council was considering halving the uh, amusement tax. They also passed the affordable fund policy. Affordable. Fund. Yeah. Okay. That's great. It's grand. So what was happening is the leisure uh, pass fees. So all the leisure fees were being considered and um, they had not received any sort of like increase or attention since the beginning of the pandemic. So uh, this would be the first inflationary increase that leisure fees had faced since like 2019, I think it was. Uh, The plan is for uh, there would be a 2% increase kind of across the board for all like, you know, if you want to go swimming or use a gym that's owned by the city or I don't know, play pickleball the uh the price will be going up by two percent and then in 2024 and 2025 it'll be going up by three percent in each of those years Hmm. but to try and keep the prices down for low-income families uh they're they're formalizing this affordable fund policy which has kind of existed within the recreation system where you know people who are low income uh, can get a discounted passes to use uh, rec facilities. For people who are low income who access this program, they can actually get 80% off for the leisure passes. So to use any of the facilities. So that's like a significant uh, cut in price. Uh, and for single admissions, though, it would be a half off. If you just roll up one and go swimming, it'll be half off if you, mm-hmm. uh, if you qualify. Um, if you know, you're happening to listen to 91.3 FM and you're hearing this. If you want to apply for this program, if you're low income, uh, you want to email affordableaccess at regina.ca. If I have an objection to this, it's that uh, there's a whole rigmarole that you have to go through where you have to basically provide income verification to the city of Regina to be able to access this program. So you've had, you have to like show your um, like a notice of assessment from the Canada revenue agency, and you have to provide a letter from a registered social worker. I don't know how you run a program like this without having some kind of um, income testing, but at the same time, it sucks that low income people constantly have to demonstrate that they're low income. It's humiliating and awful that Mm -hmm. we subject low income people to this and people with disabilities as well, that we basically make them prove that they're facing these challenges in their life over and over and over again. Uh, So, you know, I don't know. I wish that some brainiac would come up with a way to run a program like this without 
these mean testings requirements. But at the same time, that's what we got. And I guess the last item in uh, for this half is we have a new city manager. A, A new one? Yeah. Didn't they just generate one a little while back? What's going on with the whole? They did, and they mulched them. Oh, Oh, that's that's a shame. Yeah, that was uh, city manager Chris Holden, who'd been around for several years. He'd worked all the way up to city manager from being lifeguard. And this city council crowned him up and spit him out. And he retired um, uh, early. Uh, He got a buyout for that. And there's been an international search. The selection committee was Mayor Sandra Masters. No surprise there. Councillor Bob Hawkins, Councillor John Fendura, and Councillor Tarina Shaw. So these are the councillors who picked our city manager. Uh, The new city manager's name is Nikki Anderson. She comes uh, to Regina from the city of Edmonton. Uh, Most recently, she's been deputy fire chief there and executive officer for Edmonton Fire Rescue Services. She also uh, worked in senior roles at the Northern Alberta Institute of Technology, and uh, she was with uh, Uniglobe Geo Travel. Congratulations to Ms. Anderson. I do note that she's never been a city manager. So this will be a whole new experience for for Ms. Anderson. Yeah, and um, I guess, you know, Chris Holden hasn't been a, hadn't been a city manager as well before this time, but he had like deep, deep, deep uh, experience within the city of Regina and how it's managed. Uh, I will be interested to see how uh, Nikki Anderson, uh, like what she's going to be bringing to the table in city council. Uh, yeah. And I, I don't know when she's actually going to be like uh, showing up for her first meeting. Hopefully it will be this week at executive committee, but I guess we'll see. Hmm. She might run into trouble when she realizes that, a city composed of like 60 to 80% parking lots does not run a great risk from fire. That's a good point. Not a lot of it burns. Exactly. That's yeah. how we fireproofed our city by turning it into like a long, like a, a big featureless asphalt slab. Yeah. I guess that is the strength of surface parking lots. Fire can't transfer across it from That's building right. to building. Exactly. Um, yeah. I just wanted to make one last final note on this before we uh, cut to break, but uh so Nikki Anderson has not been a city manager and has not been, as far as I know, like a senior position in like the executive leadership team of a city administration. Hmm. Our director of planning right now is not a city planner. So they seem to be choosing people for these Eeks. positions yeah, who uh, have uh, unconventional backgrounds. So this has been an unconventional term for a city council. So it all just tracks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really does. Seems like everything feels weirdly randomized. Like, yeah. we've, been, like we've just, somebody's turned a, like a, a knob on the simulator somewhere and just randomly changed details. Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, we should go to the pre-recorded Innovative Revenue Tools. No. And we're back from Innovative Revenue Tools. Such good revenue tools. Yeah, they're, they're the best. We get I, the best revenue tools. We at do. The Queen City Improvement Bureau. Anyway. Uh, so we were talking about the amusement tax in the last half. So I like your boredom tax solution. I think that's strong. But uh, I, I had, there was something else at City Council that got me thinking about other things that we could consider taxing. Uh, taxation 
is a, a revenue tool. Obviously, it's a way for a city to like, you know, keep the lights on, keep the roads paved. But uh, taxation should also be used to like curb the things that you'd rather people not do. So um, we put taxes on cigarettes so that people won't smoke. We put taxes on liquor so that people will, you know, drink a little bit less. Um, these are like taxation can be used as a disincentive. Like anytime you add a cost, it's a disincentive. The carbon tax is a perfect example. One of the things that we have in Regina is we have like an upside down property tax structure where the better something is, the better a lot is in the city, the more we charge it for taxes. The idea being that, again, this is this kind of goes back to the, the twisted rationale behind the amusement tax, that if you can afford to build a house, you are some kind of like wealthy industrialist and you can afford to, to kick in a few more dollars. Right. For, if you have and, money, then you can give money. Exactly. And that, you know, that goes, that extends to like commercial properties. The more stories that you put on your commercial property, the more property tax you, ch- you, you have to pay. And that also means that if you just have a big flat open surface where you let cars park, you pay like the least amount of property tax. So surface parking is a low cost way to make a crap ton of money in this city. If you have lots of surface parking, you've got like land that just like makes you money and you don't have to, there's very little carrying cost on that. I'm thinking we have a surface parking problem and we should start thinking about ways that we can charge those properties more money. And that's something we have the power to do as a city. We can like set, um, you know, property types uh, and charge property taxes to that. And uh, that was actually considered the first draft of the downtown plan talked about changing the way we charge property taxes and charging extra tax on surface parking lots. That was shot down by the development community and the property owners. And that was removed from the initial draft. So the final draft that went to council didn't have that in it at all. But anyways, I bring all this up because we have, uh, we had a report considered at the last city council meeting about minimum parking requirements. Right. These minimum parking requirements are one of the thing one of the reasons that we have such gigantic surface parking lots in the city because we require a business to have x number of parking stalls to serve its business whether it needs them or not most of the year. And so like a lot of big box stores have these gigantic parking lagoons that are only ever busy, you know, close to Christmas. Similarly, a lot of apartment buildings have these massive parking lagoons. Mm-hmm to supply everybody with more than one parking spot who lives there on the off chance that they have like extra cars. And so a lot of these places end up with like empty parking spots. So when uh, zone forward happened, our change to our zoning bylaw uh, administration followed trends across the country and looked at other municipalities and what they were doing with uh, their zoning bylaws and parking and decided to lower for apartment buildings in greenfield development, so basically new apartment buildings, mm-hmm. they would lower the parking requirement from 1.5 parking stalls per unit to one parking stall per unit. And um, this was in line with what they learned from their consultation with the development community, that the development community didn't feel they needed to be forced to build extra parking spots. Mm-hmm. And the places that needed extra parking spots, they were like, we know our customers our customers are demanding X, we provide it. So you're seeing, you find that with large multi-unit 
uh, condo developments will have 1.5 parking stalls per unit or more, and they're being used by the people who live there. However, on the other end, you have like these affordable housing developments where people are lower income. They maybe have one car. A lot of people are like newcomers to Canada, uh, low income people who don't even have a car. Uh, people are using public transit or other modes of transportation. They're finding they can skirt much closer to one stall per unit. And a few of them have even gone, been able to go under if they're like, if they're like, really close to like a transit stop. A developer who came and spoke to council about minimum parking requirements was, I think they're called Ivana. And they talked about how, you know, when they're, when they're building their buildings, they try to get them close to bus <laughs> stops because they know their residents will be using the bus and may not even have a vehicle. So they don't need to be forced to build a lot of parking spots. All right. Back in January, back on January 27th, 2021, council was getting an update on how the zoning bylaw was working out. Councillor Andrew Stevens made a motion in an amendment. It was seconded by Councillor Bob Hawkins that administration provide a report to council on the implications of removing minimum parking requirements on new and current developments for consideration in future amendments to the Regina zoning bylaw. So that's where we started a motion to examine what would happen if we remove parking minimums. This passed seven to four with only councillors Brishani, Shaw, uh, Mancinelli, and Mayor Masters voting against it. So this is an information report. It's taken a while for this to get to council, but it finally did. And that's what we had last week at city council was a report on parking minimums and what would be the advantage of getting rid of them. I think we talked about this a bit in meetings in the past, but ultimately administration's report was, look, there's only upside to get rid of, to getting rid of parking minimums. It doesn't mean parking isn't going to get built. There's going to be ample parking built. The thing mm-hmm. we have in Regina is developers overbuilding parking, not the opposite. What this will do is it will enable developers of low income housing, you know, market or below market rental will not have to go through a process to reduce that parking requirement. It'll make that housing cheaper because parking, surface parking is incredibly expensive to build. You've got to pay to service that area. You have to like have infrastructure that extends farther to get like through this, these surface parking lots. Asphalt is not cheap. Um, You know, electricity and lighting and all the other stuff that goes with this parking adds cost to housing. So if you get rid of these parking minimums, developers will be able to start thinking about, you know, bringing down the amount of surface parking they build. It'll start to like, you know, add this like downward vector on rents and, uh, you know, condo prices. And this is a good thing because housing is too expensive. I just every time there's some some force, some market force at the square that says it will have like a will pull like a downward vector, as you say, on uh, the prices of rentals and 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 homes i just don't believe it anymore <laughs> just you know there's always like people going no we'll just still charge about yeah yeah anyway but yeah um the downward vector like it isn't just on the pr- the price of rentals right mm-hmm. like it's also the cost of servicing buildings by the city like it bring like it reduces you know our future infrastructure deficit if we don't have to build so much infrastructure to like service these parking lots and, you know, we're talking about incremental amounts. It's, you know, cheaper for the city. And it's also just like better, you know, service parking lots are like terrible for drainage and they're just horrible for the planet 
you know, you're just chewing up good land that like, mm-hmm. you know, could be homes for, for bunnies and deer and turning it into like these black asphalt wastelands. And it would just be zoning bylaw moved it down to one just on apartment buildings. All the other parking minimums remain the same. Councillor Stevens just asked to examine removing them completely and found, you know, just upside to it through this report. But administration came back with a completely milk toast and ex- expected recommendation, which was keep everything the same. Don't change <laughs> nothing. We've just got this zoning bylaw through. Please don't touch it. <laughs> Um, yeah, because this zoning bylaw has only been in place since 2019. So this change has barely been around long enough to see if it's going to have any impact on housing or development or anything. It's brand spanking new. It's a baby bylaw. Yeah. And administration explained that the reason we lowered it from 1.5 to 1 is that we were having developers come forward and asking for variances so that they could do this themselves. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that didn't get discussed by council in all of this is that it's not free to, you know, do a variance. Like if you want to like lower your the number of parking spots that you have from 1.5 to 1, if you're an affordable housing developer, you have to pay a lot of money to initiate this whole process with City Hall. Uh, you have to go through months of consultation with the community and the community is going to come back and say, no, no, we need more parking. There must be more parking. I can't park in front of my house and it's your fault for this development that you want to do. So you have to build more parking. It always happens. Residents always want more parking, never less. So it's a long drawn out process where your staff have to go to like consultation meetings, planning commission meetings, council meetings. It can take a year or more for these things to go through. So it's a lot of staff time, a lot of city staff time, and it's a lot of money. So this this is another thing that's just like, it's like a whole bunch, basically it's a whole bunch of red tape that developers have to go through if they want to, you know, develop less parking. Well, I mean, so, normally, normally I'm, I'm all for like torturing developers with, you know, unnecessary bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. But wow, this is, uh, this, this seems weirdly counterproductive. And I, I understand yeah. there are the reasons behind it, but I, do not like it. Yeah, and once again, it's we're punishing the low like we're we're part we're punishing the below market housing developments mm-hmm. and rewarding effectively the luxury condo developers because they're going to be building 1.5 or more parking spots right. per unit. It's the low income places that are going to be wanting to build less and they have to go through once again, they have to go through extra rigmarole because they're catering to this to this uh, demographic. This was a good thing in the zoning bylaw. It was an interesting thing that Councillor Stevens was contemplating getting rid of parking minimums. But that's not what happened at our council meeting last week. Councillor Brishani, uh, as deputy mayor, was the one who moved the report on this that, that came out of this uh, motion from Councillor Stevens, and she moved it, and then she added an amendment. And the amendment reads, direct administration to report back to city council in Q2 of 2023 on recommendations and potential uh, implications to amend the zoning bylaw to increase parking requirements for apartment type buildings in greenfield areas based on proximity to transit, unit type, and visitor parking requirements. Can you unpack that for me, Paul? So... 
Councillor Stevens came forward with a motion asking for a report on getting rid of parking minimums and was clearly signaling that he wanted to have a vote on getting rid of parking minimums. And Councillor Brashani scooped him and turned his motion on getting rid of parking minimums into a motion to increase parking minimums. Well, zing. Yeah. So basically, she wants to take that, you know, the current zoning uh, bylaw minimum of 1.0, put it back up to 1.5, where it was before we did the zoning bylaw, but only on apartments in greenfield developments and vague talk about think let's think about proximity to transit and the type of units not really clear in what she was getting at but Mm. yeah so we're basically not we're not like at status quo we're we've regressed back to where we were before 2019 if administration comes back with recommendations to go to back to 1.5 It's like zone forward is turning into zone backward. No crap, hey? Councillor Brashani raised the question of Saskatoon, saying that Saskatoon uh, considers a type of housing when they're setting their parking minimums. And administration pointed out that one of the things that they did with their zoning bylaws, they tried to like reduce its complexity. So they wanted to standardize Um, things like parking minimums across all parts of the city so that developers had certainty and clarity about what was expected of them. So basically administration's goal here was to reduce the red tape and to reduce the, uh, the, the labor it took to like understand our zoning bylaw. Councilor Bershani is very pleased that we are going to, that if this goes through and results in a change to the zoning bylaw, that we will have a zoning bylaw that is more in tune with Saskatoon's. But as administration points out, that means we're going to have a more Byzantine zoning bylaw than we had before. It's going to be more complicated, harder to navigate. It's going to have like exceptions and more complicated clauses about what what is expected of developers. And that's not what anybody wants except for Capricorn. Ah, well, what do you know? What do I have here? I've got a little bit of Councillor Brishani. Administration, uh, when they were preparing their report, they did a study where they went out uh, during the day, during the week, and counted parking spots in Harbor Landing and Green Zone Gardner. And they did this, and these are like study zones, not the whole of the neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And they did the same on the weekend during the day. And they found that there is a parking surplus at those times of the day. And Councillor Brishani was not uh, was not in love with the way administration conducted their research. So I thought I'd just play uh, about a minute here of what she had to say on that subject. I would I would challenge again. I live out there. I drive this. There's there's no vacancy. There's only a few left in every site. So again, I would ask our administration to actually get out of the desks and get into the parking lots and go in there at around supper time and take a look to see what's vacant because there's very little. And that's why we get as councillors calls because of the onslaught of parking on the street. It's kind of indicative of the tone that council has been taking with administration for a lot of uh, this term that uh, they can get really snippy. And uh, yeah, taking a shot about administration needing to get out from behind their desks, like they're lazy, like that's kind of the implication, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, of course. Or, 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 you know, not quite competent. You know, they don't, and they don't have the keen sort of like, you know, 
uh, what's it, you know, observational powers uh, that Councillor Brashani and her constituents have. Yeah. And it, it feels like what Councillor Brashani wants is for administration to talk to exactly the same people that have been talking to her and exactly <laughs> the same developers, whoever those could be, that Councillor Brashani uh, knows about. And that that is all they base their their decisions upon or their recommendations upon. You're listening to the Queen City Improvement Bureau on 91.3 FM CJTR, tuned into the community. Maybe, maybe if instead of people wanting more parking spots, maybe if they just had like maybe one car. Yeah. Instead of cluttering up the streets and their driveways with those freaking things. Just an idea. Enslaving themselves to these hulks of metal and nickel and plastic. I, I think cars have to be just one of the worst things that have happened to human society. It's yeah. just warped. It is, you know, in, in the course of just over a hundred years, utterly warped the way we live our lives, the way our landscape looks, everything. Yeah. It's deranged. Oh, 100%. And yet, uh, well, here's a little teensy snippet of Councillor Brishani on that very question. Because hmm. Councillor Brishani would disagree with you that uh, <laughs> that, automo- that automobiles and parking are somehow degrading our quality of life. And I think when we absolutely look at, um, for the vibrancy for our city, parking is an integral uh, part to healthy community, whether it be a vehicle or an e-vehicle in the future. She said two of the magic words. One, she said vibrant, right? Which you know, shows you that she, she, has her, she has her, like, you know, her ear to the ground, her finger on the pulse of, of this of this hip hop happening city, and the other was e vehicle. Like she just threw an e vehicle to say, you know, I'm not I'm not some I'm not some fogey like you know, at, at the mercy of of oil and gas and cars that belch out exhaust e vehicles. But yeah, no, she's uh she she's weirdly wrong. I mean, I I, I parking. If we're going to have cars, we need places to put cars. We know that. So we have to have, and nobody's disputing that. What people are disputing, and I don't know why Councilor Bashani does not notice this, is that we have just massive amounts of parking. We have people who seem to think that all we need is more parking. Maybe the problem is that there are cars everywhere. And just, and no matter how much parking we have, there can never be enough parking for the cars that we have. Also worth noting, Councillor Brishani is, uh, you know, was one of the staunchest advocate and motivating force behind the expansion and widening of Arcola Boulevard, which okay. is going to be costing the city $76 million, right. basically to facilitate uh, more and faster car traffic. Uh, which is the city. four times the cost of what it would take to reduce homelessness yeah. in the city per year. Uh, yeah. I don't want to say this just exactly how I want to phrase this. So maybe I'll find a different way. How is it that Councillor Bashani thinks that a city is vibrant when people are just in their cars and not on the street? Unless unless she counts the people streaming from parking lots to their offices or, or malls. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's not vibrancy. That is the utter opposite of vibrancy. That is a river of metal and noise and exhaust fouling our city. Day and night. Grr, I say. 
she can't even see the implications of what she's doing at city council because like a council meeting before this uh, or two before this, we passed uh, an expansion of the amount of surface parking in the downtown by, you know, allowing in contravention of our OCP and our transitional neighborhood plan, our downtown plan, uh, two new parking lots at 2158 and 2160 Scarth Street. Councillor Bershani was the key, you know, factor fighting for that. Uh, saying that we needed it for safety and we needed it for the vibrancy of the downtown to have this parking so that people would have more places to park and feel safe. So she's concerned about there being too many cars parked in the suburbs in the evenings. And not enough. And then, and then all those cars move to downtown where there's not enough parking. So there's going to be like empty parking in the suburbs when people are at work and empty parking in the downtown when nobody's at work. So she's basically creating, she's, she's doubling the amount of empty right. parking we have. Yeah. And she's, she's offsetting, she's offsetting dysfunctionality onto the downtown area where people live and yeah. makes, and makes the downtown a less attractive and interesting place to live. And I would know because I live downtown. Yeah. And see it happen. I also think it's odd that because with the, these two parking spots that, you know, administration, perplexingly like baffles me why administration uh, recommended these parking spots go ahead downtown with the density for market choice of housing motion that Prashani brought forward administration came forward with this total milk toast compromise report that basically provided uh, council with this this exemption this like loophole so that they can always approve lower densities for neighborhoods that are mm. proposed. Uh, and now we've got this like motion again from Brashani saying, let's jack up the parking minimums for new apartment buildings. And I don't have faith in administration anymore to come back with a recommendation that just says, no, right? Like this is a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we don't, we don't recommend you do this. That's our recommendation because they've, they've, you know, caved on everything so far, the Brashani. And it's interesting that Shawnee gets to let Shawnee, Brashani gets to take a Sharpie to the official community plan and the zoning bylaw and just rewrite these things on the floor of council uh, documents that, you know, we spent years in public consultation and industry consultation, you know, putting them together. And she's just, you know, willy nilly making these things up based on stuff she's heard in emails and over the phone. These are the people who are basically writing our policy now, are these voices that only Brashani is hearing. One more last thing. It was pointed out, I think, by Councillor Stevens at this meeting, that the reason you can't find on-street parking in uh, Greens and Gardner Harbor Landing is because they don't have alleyways. So you have all mm-hmm. these houses with, par- with driveways for two and three-car garages emptying onto the street. So there's nowhere for anybody to park on the street because these mm-hmm. driveways have eaten up all the on-street parking. And Councillor Bershani is also a councillor who is fighting to, you know, not have any more of these neighborhoods that use alleyways. She wants snout houses with driveways that, you know, eat up this on-street parking that she, you know, just desperately wants to have free for her residents. It's, it's, it's a maddening cycle that leads just to a garbage city. Uh, another thing we could do is yeah. uh, maybe maybe if people drove in the city humanly sized vehicles, mm. reasonably sized vehicles, and not barreling around in, in SUVs, minivans, Ford 150s, um, or F-150s. And I know that somebody's going to say, well, I need that 
minivan because my kids need to go to hockey practice or whatever. Uh, yeah, there are some there are some reasons to have larger vehicles, but we've got a city full of them, and it's unbelievably ugly. We managed for decades before the SUV even existed. Mm-hmm. We did, and parents got kids to hockey practice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, usually, like you know, we packed kids into cars. Or more than one parent took their kids to talk to, you know, to practice, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. The vans and the station wagons that we had back then were a fraction of the size of the yeah. vehicles that people are driving nowadays. It's uh, that is true. Yeah. Well, well, the thing is the, the SUV and the and CVs uh, were, when they were made, they used truck beds right. for, with, with smaller bodies on top. So they're necessarily larger. And that, so that's one reason why these these vehicles all like, you know, ballooned in size because you suddenly had trucks in disguise, essentially, uh, instead of cars. And that's what we're building our cities for, are these trucks. Mm-hmm. Yes. And not for the people who live in them, not for the bunnies or the deers. Bunnies and the deers. This council, uh, most progressive council we've ever seen, and yet we have seen progressive suggestions come forward like this that get flipped on their head and turned into exactly the opposite. What if progressive attitudes and ideas only end up becoming unwittingly a cover for more rea- actual, more reactionary uh, and, and worse policies? It could what be. If, what, what, if, what if council feels in some strange way that by espousing progressive ideals, they're doing their duty to a better world, but then can turn around and their actions can be aggressive? That's, that's certainly what we're seeing thus far. We have a great sustainability framework, but uh, we're building more surface parking lots. Yeah, it's like it's like the uh, it's like social media activism. Essentially, we'll we'll make the grand statement, and then we yeah. will, and that will allow us to to actually act even worse than than we did before. So you know, I think there's only one solution. Oh, what what's that? Take a folded chair up to the side of the head of this place. Yes, get get them in the pit. Just yeah. duke it out. Anyways, we are uh, way over time, actually. Oh, okay. All right. Well, should we? Uh... Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's let's do that. Let me uh, let me do my thing. Uh, yeah. Let's. Shall we close the meeting out then? Shall we adjourn? I would second a motion of that sort. All right. Motion passed. You've been listening to the Queen City Improvement Bureau, ninety-one point three FM, CJTR. What am I talking about? Regina Community Radio. Tune into the community. We're broadcast live, 70 p.m. on Thursday. It's not even live. It's pre-recorded now. And then we're rebroadcast Monday afternoon, 3 to 4 p.m. There's some good stuff coming up next, though. Like the Miracle Cabaret is great. I highly recommend it. Uh, Followed by more programming. Music all on through the night. Find us on Twitter. Just enjoy your lives, people. That's it. Keep on improving.